church and pray through some of the things on this sheet here as a church. So join me as we pray for some of these requests and thank the Lord for what He's doing. So Father God, we come before You and we thank You for prayer. We have this instant access with the Father. And Lord, we as a church come before You and we ask that You hear our prayers as we have a church full of many requests, but also many praises of what You are doing. Lord, we lift up the Zimmer family who this past week, Bill passed away. And we ask that You just be with them as a family, that their hearts would just be touched by Your Spirit. You're the God of comfort. And we thank You that Your Spirit is moving in their family. And I pray just for healing and just that You just be with them as they grieve. And we grieve with them. And we also lift up Yvonne Hansen. I got to see her yesterday. And she's had some surgery. And she doesn't do well with surgery. And she's, she's not doing well with the pain medication. And we are grateful that her daughter's there, Heather. And we just pray that You just touch her and, and be with her. And we pray for just quick healing. And I pray as she's unable to do the things she wants to do, that she, she's sitting there at home, I pray that You would give her time just to pray. It's great to pause and to slow down and, and to realize all the things we can thank You for. So I just pray that she has time to, to, to heal, but also just that she would keep her mind on Your goodness, we pray. And Lord, as we continue to pray for those in Ukraine, we continue to pray for those in Russia, those in other countries, they're dealing with what's happening in their world. We pray for the Bliss family, some of the missionaries that we support that are in that area of Europe. And we pray that You would give them wisdom on how to care for people as, as millions have left countries and are moving away from destruction and warfare. We pray for the Bliss family that You would just give them wisdom. We pray for David and Sasha that You just allow them to use the resources at their hands, that they would see the different needs and that You would use them to be Jesus in their area. Lord, we also praise You. We praise You for the many things happening in our church. I, I thank You for the 21 people yesterday that showed up at Ruby's Pantry at Living Water Church and were able to serve people with food and, and care for them. So we thank You for our involvement with their church, cooperating with them and, and the many people that were there volunteering. We thank You for the many students that showed up. And, and what a privilege to, to be a part of what, what they're doing and, and caring for people in our county. We also thank You for Rick and Laura Hill's 15-year-old great-niece, Amelia, who has recovered from the, the, this tumor and just we are praising God. Many prayers have been given. We know that there are many people that have cancer and we, we are grateful for the times that You come and touch them and heal them. And we, we thank You for that. And Lord, I, I especially thank You for my church family. Those that sit around us and those that are in our second service. We have two services, but one church. Lord, I thank You for the, the friendship and the fellowship that we have with one another. It's just a joy on Sundays as, as I have just to sit and have my friends gather together and worship and celebrate You. Lord, we praise You for Your goodness. And we thank You for this Sunday. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I encourage you to 
Grab this sheet on the way out. Put this in your Bible. If you read your Bible every day, put it in a place where you see it so you can be praising. You can kind of mark off the different things as you go through the list and pray. All right, we are going through our sermon series with Christ in the School of Discipleship. And in this, we're looking in the book of Mark, following Jesus and his disciples, looking at Messiahship and also discipleship. And in the first chapter, primarily, kind of focuses more on messiahship as jesus is out proclaiming the good news and a lot of things are happening to verify that this truly is the messiah <clears throat> and then as we go on later on into here chapter two and following we're going to see more discipleship as we go on and in all of the gospels matthew mark luke and john mark gives us i believe the clearest understanding of what it means to be a disciple and how to effectively follow Jesus as a disciple and today we're going to look at our passage we're going to kind of go quickly through our passage and then we're going to go through it again looking at the heart of Jesus and then the heart of those who follow Jesus the disciples so before we get into the word let me pray Lord we we pause and pray again because we are about to dive into this amazing paragraph in Scripture. And honestly, Lord, forgive me. I remember a few weeks ago, and even when I was mapping this, I was like, oh, this will be an easy one. I should just include this with another one. This is just a very simple paragraph, a story. Very simple. Let's just cruise over this one. But these last two weeks, as I've seen the beauty of Christ in this, I pray that we would see the heart of Jesus this morning. And then, Lord, I pray for conviction. That You would convict us of self-righteousness. That we would soften our hearts as we want to have truly the heart of Jesus beating and flowing through us in this world, we pray. In Jesus' name, Amen. <clears throat> One of the questions that we're addressing in our study as we go through this study of with Christ in the school of the disciples in the book of Mark is who really are His followers? Who are His disciples? What do they look like? What do they do? What do they struggle? And, and we're going to see more and more of this as we go on. Mark makes it clear what a disciple is through calling, through trials, and through mission. These are the kind of the three things I've seen, and I might add a few more words as we go on, but these are kind of the three things that we are looking at as we go through this. And we have seen already how Jesus responds differently to different types of people. Someone has a spiritual influence that is not godly, demonic influence in their life, and we see how Jesus responds and that how that person responds. We see sick people and how they respond to Jesus, and Jesus doesn't always do the same thing. He responds differently to the needs of different people. And again, I cannot say enough about the beauty of Jesus in these passages. Again, like I mentioned in my prayer, I was, when I was going through this, I was mapping it out, you know, maybe half a year ago, looking through the book of Mark. I'm like, look at all these little stories. Just, just put them together. They're all the same and they're just very brief and, and simple. But the, it's good to slow down and look at these. And, and the beauty of Jesus in this is just remarkable. 
We're at Mark chapter 2. So grab your Bibles, Mark chapter 2, starting with verse 13. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. Another reason why to love Jesus. He loves the lake, right? Okay, all right. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. Here we have the focus again on the popularity of Jesus. He's doing amazing things, so people are finding out about it, and people follow him. He goes by the lake, and people kind of surround him. Kind of like opening day, it's hard to find a fishing spot if you're at a popular lake. Everyone's there. He's there at the lake, and people are there. And we see this growth against... And we've got five little paragraphs in a row where there's confrontation with religious leaders. His popularity grows, and people want Him, but at the same time, we're going to see this in the next couple of weeks, people don't like Him. And again, we see here, when Jesus has a crowd, He uses that to share the good news. He preaches the good news to them. Verse 14, As He walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at a tax collector's booth. What a timely passage to have this month, right? The mention of taxes or IRS, some of you are rolling your eyes already, right? Like, oh man. I learned quickly to have someone else do my taxes. And this time of year, we hear this and we think of all oh, the stuff we have to do. Why are we doing this? We got to do this. Why are we paying taxes? Or some of you might be thinking and rolling your eyes, complaining about officials who want to raise taxes. Now, the time that Jesus lived here in the first century in the Palestine area, it was worse than what we have. For them, it was worse, and they hated and they even despised tax collectors. Now, notice it says here this man Levi was sitting at a tax collector's booth. Now when you hear that, don't think, as i got a picture here, of the Chicago sky. Here's an older one. Of like, How many of you have been through the toll booths in Chicago? In fact, when I go visit um, Amber's family down there, I know how to get around them so I don't have to pay. I may have to drive 10 minutes longer, but I'm getting around. I'm not giving Illinois my money. You know, that's... Don't think he was sitting at a booth like this. Alright, who's next? It was more like this. Here's a picture I took in Bolivia. And I couldn't find the right picture of when I was in Bolivia. But this is kind of like we would drive by places and they would have a gate more outside of the city where they'd be like, all right, you got to pay. Little shack. And I remember we'd be in this little bus thing in the micro. And I remember one time, here's the pay. No, you need a little bit more because of this. And our bus driver, Pastor Juan, was like, oh, got to give more. He kind of rolled his eyes. Here, they're asking for more than just what they normally would. They would ask for charges. They would ask for a tariff. They would ask for this toll, collecting more money. And these types of tax collectors, not just throwing 50 cents in and the gate goes up, they were disliked because of a few reasons here. Number one, they reminded people of the Roman power governing over them. The Roman Empire now occupied and ruled over all this land, and they're thinking, this is the promised land. This is our land. Why are we giving our money to some foreign people? So this is a pain for them in their hearts. So it was a reminder of like, there's someone else above you. Number two, the tax collector represented the Roman government. The tax collectors were hired 
by the enemy in their minds, kind of. And they represented the Roman government that oppressed them for a long time. So not only are we giving our own money, but now we had to be faced with this person who's been hired by the Roman officials. And, because Levi was Jewish, he was also then hated by the Romans. So this tax collector was in a lose-lose situation. He's hated by his own people. Like, oh, you're hired by the enemy. And the Roman Empire looked and despised him because he was Jewish. Number three, the tax collector spent a lot of time with Gentiles. Because of their relationship with Roman authorities, because their involvement with Gentiles who are not Jews, Jews were tax collectors that tended to not observe Jewish law. They hung out a lot with the Gentiles. They hung a lot with other people. And because of this, they kind of were like, well, there's the law. We have to do, uh, you know, we're going to hang out with our friends. And they were seen as a disgrace. And they would make your home unclean if a tax collector came in because they're hanging out with Gentiles. They're not following the law. They're not following what we think is right. And they come into your house and it's written in some of the church history books that when they entered your house, you would be then unclean. They were shamed by family and friends. And fourth, they were often dishonest An extortion adding a surcharge. So here they were adding this extra money. Like, okay, you owe 50 cents, but you know what? Today it's an extra dime that you got to put in there. Tax collectors were despised and also considered thieves because they're asking not only for the tariff, not only for that, but they're putting a surcharge on it. They were considered thieves, liars, frauds. And these tax collectors got their post by bidding against others. Letting the Roman government, you know what, I will make more money than Billy Bob down the road, so let me be the tax collector. Please. I'll get you more money. So there's bidding wars going on among them to compete. Who can get the most revenue? As they collected money, they could add this surcharge that ended up in their pockets. Kind of like the Sheriff of Nottingham in the Robin Hood story. How many remember the little movie? He would exploit people and even little ones to get money, extra stuff just to line their pockets through injustice and heavy taxation. So Levi is this unique person who's hated by every type of people group, the Romans, the Jews, his friends, his family. And Levi, the liar we could call him, would be a poor choice for a disciple. So what we're going to do is we're going to skip this paragraph and go to the next one. Just kidding. Look at the next section here in Scripture. Jesus sees him sitting at this booth. Levi the liar. Look at what Jesus says. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed Him. Now Jesus, we see here, is going to begin to add disciples to His little group of followers. He's already got four of them. Now He's going to add another main one. There's others that are following. And Levi the liar becomes the unlikely candidate. So of all the people around, I mean, I'm sure at the lake there, there's people gathered there. There's, There's wise people, smart people, money that have... People that have money in their pockets. People of power, position. 
Use them, right? Then you can really grow your mission. So all the people, Jesus calls him. Why this guy? And this is very important. One of the trademarks of Jesus is calling to discipleship unlikely, unworthy people. little side note, if you don't believe me, look in a mirror, right? But one of the trademarks we're going to find out in the book of Mark is he doesn't call the one like, okay, that guy has got the advertising firm and we could really get our mission going. That guy is a political person with much power, prestige. This is going to be great. He calls the unlikely unworthy people. And here Jesus sought out the person who no one loves, no one wants, a tax collector. (laughs) Jesus did not see him as a category. Holy man versus tax collector. A man of power position. Oh, this guy's valuable to me and I will help them. This guy's better or this one's unuseful. He doesn't see him as a category. He sees him as a person. Love chooses a person, not a category. Jesus doesn't go, you know what? These guys already know the law, so categorically, they're the ones who can get it done better than I can. Jesus doesn't do that. He chooses people. I remember when I was in college. And I remember, I was like, all right, maybe I'll start liking girls or something. I started liking this one girl. Her name was Lisa, and uh, I was starting to like her, and I was like, oh, you know, maybe something. And I'll never forget, about three weeks into just you know, hanging out with, with her and her friends, my friends, we all kind of had the same group, I'll never forget, a bunch of us guys were at one table at lunchtime, and the, the girls were at another table. And I'll never forget hearing her say this, I can't wait to find a husband hmm. who can change oil for me. Who can take care of me? And then she began to give this list of all these things she wanted. And the more and more she talked, I realized she wanted just a husband, not a person. And I was like, I'm not going to hang out with her that much anymore. Because she was just looking categorically, I want to fulfill this spot with a husband. I just need a husband. And then they, they can do all these things for me categorically. And I realized She wasn't looking for just that person. And then I found Amber who loved me as a person, not a category. He finds the unlikely, unworthy people. In fact, none of the disciples were worthy candidates, right? None of them were. They weren't worthy to be chosen based upon what they could bring to Jesus. Jesus didn't choose the most obvious candidates for ministry according to their ability, to their social status. Jesus did it out of love for that specific person. Very important to know. And here we have the call of discipleship. Just as in chapter 1, verse 17, follow me. Follow me. It's interesting in the parallel passage of this story in Luke chapter 5, it says, Levi got up, left everything, 
followed him. There's no going back. He leaves it all. He doesn't go, you know, I'm going to come back and keep fishing. I'm going to come back and keep being a tax collector. He left it all and completely followed him. And Levi's response is a quick radical change in his life as he leaves his occupation and follows Jesus, which we will see more in the book of Mark. It requires obedience. Leaving things behind. And repentance. Right, verse 15, while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. Levi now gets this party going in honor of Jesus. He says, I will follow you. Come to my house. We're going to have a big pizza party. It wasn't a pizza party. We're going to have a big banquet in honor of Jesus. And at this party, he would have invited all his friends. It says here, tax collectors, sinners, those who didn't keep the law, those who were not really the church type people. He gathers them all together. And we have a variety of Gentiles. Scandalous people. Maybe some prostitutes there. Maybe people who just, ugh, you don't want to talk about them. Thieves. And these people are eating. Notice it says Levi has his party and they're eating with Jesus. Christ is the center here of the story. All of this is to introduce people to Jesus. We'll get to that later. Look at verse 16. When the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Oh, the Pharisees' attitude. The behavior of Jesus is challenged. Why are you healing like this? Why are you eating with people like this? We're going to see, again, five paragraphs in a row, he gets challenged. And these were devout Jews who rebelled against mixing with Gentiles. You shouldn't mix with those people. There's a lot of reasons why you shouldn't mix with them. You shouldn't be eating with them. Thus, they always avoided eating with common people who didn't follow the law exactly as they wanted to. They put you know, this fence around the law and you've got to follow exactly the way I want it. You're not doing it the right way. And this could make them impure. Why is he doing this? And much of this party is totally wrong. Number one, it's not kosher. Have you ever seen a kosher symbol on a package? Here's an example, like Pop-Tarts, right? Everyone wants Pop-Tarts. Look for the little kosher symbol, and they'd be like, okay, this one you can eat. The Jewish people have this symbol on different packages, say that a rabbi has blessed this, and it's clean, you can eat it. And they're thinking, these people are going, guess what? He's eating Pop-Tarts with people. There's no kosher symbol on it. It's not ritually clean. And Jesus sitting with sinners. He must have no respect for the law. Look at verse 17. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now love, in this story, we don't have a physical sickness because we've been dealing with Physical ailments, physical problems. Every chap, every paragraph here has been doing that. Now, 
Nothing physically is wrong with people. But here we have those who are spiritually sick and are in need of a spiritual healing. And I find it interesting that the ones who think they are healthy, they're the ones who are sick, right? And the ones who are sick, they're the ones who find healing. The doctor needs to visit the sick. And Jesus was right to seek out sinners, to go to them. Because that's His mission. And He associated with them to bring them to God. Very important line. He associated with them to bring them to God. Not just have a party. And then here's this great pronouncement that Jesus gives. I've come not for the righteous. Jesus has come to visit and call people to Himself. What an awesome little section in Scripture. But what I want to do now is look at the heart of Jesus and then the heart of His disciples. The heart of Jesus, two thoughts. Number one, Jesus calls people, not categories. Very important here. His love calls people, not just categorically, He doesn't just see Levi as, oh, that's Levi the liar. There's all the tax collectors. There's a category of people I will not be with at all. There's a bunch of losers of categorically I'm going to do that. Oh, there's the righteous. He doesn't do that, but instead He wants to enter into relationship with Levi. And Levi the liar becomes Matthew. So we don't see this in the book of Mark here, but Levi is also Matthew, the one who wrote the first Gospel that we have in our Bibles. Listen to Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. He saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me. So we realize Levi isn't just Levi the liar that all his friends are calling him. Jesus sees a person. Sees him and loves him, and knows Levi's also Matthew, who will be the great evangelist, the great writer. And this happens often in the New Testament. Saul becomes what? Paul. Simon becomes Peter. John Mark is called Mark. Levi is Matthew. Jesus didn't see just his flawed life. He had a flawed life. Levi was not the best guy on the planet. But at the same time, he saw Matthew the evangelist and the writer and calls this unlikely candidate to be a disciple. Oh, the heart of Jesus. He doesn't just choose those based upon, oh, the prospect of this man, if I train him right, oh, he'll do great things. He does it because he wants relationship with him. The calling of Jesus does not depend on the works of our own righteousness, but on His pure kindness amen sinners don't need to do something first to be worthy you need to go levi you're kind of a liar your pockets are lined with extra cash let's work on that problem first and then you can be one of mine the call to discipleship isn't really like that he doesn't call sinners to go first like let's say i'm full of mud he doesn't go cody first wash your hands then you can enter 
take the full bath. How many of you wash your hands before you take a bath? No, you just take the whole bath. He calls sinners into relationship so they can see totally God's grace and love. He was not a worthy recipient in our eyes, categorically, but in Christ's eyes, love and grace. When God calls, they need to respond in faith. And Levi does that. And there's acceptance for those who come in faith. Acceptance for those who come in faith. Number one, here Jesus calls people, not categories. Second, Jesus' association with sinners was to share God's grace. His association with them wasn't just for a big pizza party. He had bold outreach to sinners, which was something totally new and different. And he was redefining the social and religious ways of doing this. And this was odd to the people. The Pharisees had expectations. You've got to do it this way. And he broke through those barriers. Pharisees love to keep sinners at arm's length. Jesus ate with them. As we see often, Jesus gives priority and befriends those who are social outcasts, those who are petty criminals, to prostitutes, to gamblers, to scum, to untrustworthy people, to Gentiles and sinners. Jesus is a friend of sinners. But not just to be friends with them. Again, the main purpose, His association with sinners is to share God's grace. Pharisees, with this pompous attitude, I'm better than you, you're not doing it my way. Pharisees were great at giving themselves, I'm A+. I follow the law. I pass the test. I'm going to give my a, myself an A+. I'm passing. But all of you, you're getting an F. You all fail. Because of them, their mindset of being full of self-righteousness, they flunked everyone else. This is very important. We see in the Bible that we all have failed, right? We all have flunked. None of us are righteous enough to do it. There is none righteous. We need God's grace. And the good news, the Gospel message, welcomes those type of people. He's not just partying with sinners. He wants them to know God so they can have healing and transformation in their life. Again, because some people think, oh, Jesus hangs out with sinners, so am I. I'm just going to hang out with a bunch of you know, godless people or categorically who don't fit in my realm. I'm going to do that to befriend them. But his focus wasn't just to have a party. It was so they would have healing in their lives. Eating and time with them could imply that he accepted their sins. No. He came to heal that part of them. He's not excusing sinful lifestyles, but lovingly wants their lives to be transformed. And again, here's the beauty of Jesus. He gets near them, is with them, and loves them so they would see the grace of God. Now let's look at the heart of a disciple following Jesus. 
three thoughts here. This is for us. And now here we finally, we kind of wait to get to discipleship. This is for us. First, you and I are the unlikely candidates to be a disciple. You and I are very unlikely, like Levi, right? And if some of you go, I've been coming to Maranatha my whole life, Pastor. You must be talking about so-and-so on the other side of the, the room here. Man, that guy, yeah, he had a messed up life, but God's grace saved him. All right, Pharisee, listen. All of us in this room are the unlikely ones. We are like the Pharisees, hidden in our hearts. We have this godlier-than-thou attitude. I am better than you. This attitude of self-righteousness. But when we really look at our past history, our heart, it's full of disgrace and sin. We are the unlikely ones, just like Levi the liar. We have hatred, lies, selfishness, and self-righteousness. This is very important. Though we are the unlikely ones, not worthy, then out of the riches of His grace, He calls ones like you and I, right? Unworthy people, unlikely people like you and I. I love Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Right before that we are saved by grace, not by works, not by self-righteousness, not by what you can add to the kingdom. It's totally by grace. And then it says this, for we are God's workmanship. His masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ so that we can do the good works He planned for us long ago. I Here's this, still haven't figured this out. Though I am so unworthy, unlikely, He called me as a person and sees me as a masterpiece to do His work. Oh, the beauty of Jesus. I have a place in the kingdom. I'm a child of God. I've been adopted by Him. I belong to Him. And I've been created, called, to then do good works for Him. I'm not saved by works, but saved to do good works. So first, we've got to remember this. We are unlikely. We are like the Pharisees in our hearts. Number two. Second, as disciples, we are to see people as Jesus would, not as categories. Jesus looks beyond a person's position. Beyond their failure. Levi was a liar and a bum. Lying in his pockets with money. No one loved him but Jesus saw beyond that. And he knew that the Gospel could change Matthew's heart. And the religious and social expectations that were in this complex thing where people put him in a category, Jesus saw beyond that. Human prejudice has no place in the Kingdom of God. Write that down. Human prejudice has no place in the kingdom of God. So as disciples, prejudice should be out the window, out the door. And I'm 
embarrassed as an American Christian, not just as a pastor, that American Christians are so prejudiced against others. It's embarrassing. That's why we had to start with the first one. You and I are unlikely candidates. Jesus now sees people, not categories. And unfortunately in church history, it's filled with shameful moments how Christians have treated others not fitting in their categories. And I thought, we could spend 20 minutes just looking at stories like that. Jesus chooses people, not shunning them in their categories. So here's a few helpful thoughts for us. Don't exclude a group of people from God's grace. So I want you to think right now, who are the opposite people than you? If you're a farmer, maybe it's a businessman, maybe it's a salesman who keeps coming to your door trying to sell that certain kind of thing. I don't know. Who are the opposite people than you? Maybe politically. Maybe you're very conservative, and right away you go, oh, it's the liberals. Or maybe you're liberal, and you think, oh, it's the conservatives. <clears throat> who are the people different than you, opposite than you? Maybe skin color, maybe gender, maybe all this stuff. What are the people different? I want you to think about who, who's different than you. What's the opposite group than you? Do not exclude a group of people from God's grace. Again, the focus here isn't just Jesus hanging out and having a pizza party. It's not just Jesus being friends with sinners. It's about letting these people know God's grace. <clears throat> Number two in this category. Not helpful to only minister to one segment of society over another. It's easy for us to go, you know what? I work very well with these type of people, so I'm going to hang out with them and minister to only them and exclude another group, another group of people in our society. As we talked about in the book of James, don't just hang around people who are just like you, who look like you, smell like you, eat like you. Yes, minister to them, but also reach out to others that are very different. The book of James fits very well here. Number three, look for the despised, the poor, and the marginalized. I mentioned this last week. The three areas that I've been thinking through in Barron County for us in this area, it would be the poor, the homeless, the Somali population, and then those who are politically very different than you. That's the ones we seem to exclude. Look for people who need help. Number four, have a welcoming spirit, not excluding sinners. Have a welcoming spirit to love people. Too many times we're like the Pharisees. Well, they're doing this, and they've broken this rule. That's not kosher for me in the way I understand Christianity. So you kind of close the door, and you're just kind of like, I'm better than them. Have a welcoming spirit. Let me just say this to our church here, to us. Do you know every Sunday, and maybe you're a visitor here, every Sunday, every service, we have visitors here. I encourage you, don't always hang out with the same people you always do. Look for someone you don't know. And it's okay if you go, hey, my name's, my name's Cody, what's your name? And you realize, oh, you've been here for three years, sorry, I didn't know that, because I'm over here and you're over here. But look for people with a welcoming spirit. 
Again, it kind of saddened me. As you know, I hang out a lot with law enforcement. We had some friends come, some of my friends. For two weeks they came. First service, they sat at that table over there, and no one sat with them. I was like, come on, someone sit with them. Have a welcoming spirit. Treat all people with dignity and value. All people. This is hard. Like even with my involvement with law enforcement, I remember one time there was someone who, who was a really bad guy. And I was at the Justice Center and we're, I was with a group of people that were talking and they're just, just a bad guy. And I mentioned this. I said, well, how can we care for them? I remember one person go, are you kidding? Look what this person has done. Why would you want to care for them? I just want dignity and value. Oh yeah, this person, I want that person in jail. Keep them there. Keep them away from my family, from my, you know. But we still need to, how, how can we love them? Dignity and value. And then the last part, pray for heart of compassion. Because all of us get prejudiced, all of us like our own types of people. Pray for heart of compassion. As disciples, we are to see people as Jesus would, not as categories. Then the third and last part here. Jesus' association with sinners was to share God's grace. And we must do the same. It's not just having a big pizza party, which I could do every other night. My wife just goes, yes, he could. But it's not just for the party's sake. Jesus wasn't at Levi's place. She's hanging on like, free food, let's do it. This guy's got some cash. Let's have a party. The focus was sharing God's grace. So here are some helpful thoughts. See the need, bring it to Jesus. I'm going to say it a lot during the book of Mark. See a need and bring it to Jesus. And realize you might be part of the help. Remember last week. If you missed last week, I encourage you to go look online and get these prayer cards. Here's the needs. Here's, we got some cards still there. Here's some needs. Here's, here's the name. Here's the needs. And maybe here's how we can help actually do something about it. I encourage you. See the need. Bring it to Jesus. Pray with your hands folded so long until maybe you might need to open them up and do something about it. And you might be the one like, oh, I keep praying for that person that needs food. I keep praying for the person that needs food. All right, I'll make them a meal. Second, ask God to give you occasions to have people come and meet Jesus. It's not about pray for the opportunity for me to be a popular person so everyone would know me. No, 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 no. Pray that you would have occasions that people would meet you for the purpose of them meeting Jesus. When Jesus has a crowd, what does He do? Shares the good news. So here's a tough one. I want to. This might make you a little... Ugh, I don't know what you're going to think about this. What would you do if you saw my truck at a bar? Or you're driving by and there's Pastor Cody gets out of a truck and goes into a bar. What would you be thinking? Oh, I don't approve of that. That doesn't fit in my category. But most of you know that I've never had a beer yet. So you're probably, you probably would know like, is this his first beer? I don't know. It doesn't, you know. I had a family where alcoholism, my, 
my mother drank a lot. And she, if she was here, she'd be fine me saying She drank like crazy. And as a little boy, I was like, I will never. No way. Not for me. But what would you do if you saw Pastor Cody walking into a bar? Would you go, oh, he's in trouble. He's hanging out with people I don't approve of. Or, hopefully you'd be thinking, oh, he's going in there, and I pray that he would be able to share God's grace. Maybe he's meeting someone, I don't know. Oh, he's having his first beer, I don't know. Hopefully you'd be praying that, oh, Pastor Cody, something's up. Let's pray for Pastor Cody. What would you do if you saw Aaron, Pastor Aaron, going to a Packers game? You'd celebrate. Okay, all right, yeah. But categorically, that's not like him at all. He's giving in to the culture of Wisconsin, which you might be going, good. But you might be going, no, stick with your team. What would you do if you saw Pastor Tony's vehicle every Tuesday at one of the mosques in Bering? Pastor Tony's at a mosque? They're the enemy, you would think. Oh man, he's going to be swung the wrong way and they're going to be teaching him lies. Oh, he'll be swallowed up. But then you realize, no, he's got a solid foundation. He's a pastor. He's got Maybe he's sharing the love of Jesus. John 17, 15. Jesus, whole chapter is a beautiful prayer. Prays for himself and the relationship he has with the Father. Then he prays for his disciples. And he says this, my prayer is is not that you would take them out of the world, that you would protect them from the evil one. Ask God to give you occasions to have people come and meet Jesus. Honestly, I highly doubt you'll see my vehicle at a bar. But if that is the case, I hope you'd be like, okay, the Lord has opened a door for Pastor Cody to be there. Let's just pray. Pastor Aaron starts wearing a Packers jersey, that'd be a good thing, right? Someone totally different from his group, but maybe there's a reason. Who are the people that we just go, I don't approve of those type of people? What if this year is the greatest year of outreach and ministry outside of these walls of our church here at Maranatha? Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be great if you get someone who's totally different than you sit next to you next Sunday? I'm not talking about your spouse. Pray for opportunities. That's a tough one, isn't it? But it's a beautiful one. When we have the heart of Jesus, we begin seeing people as He would. Third, reach out to people. Have a meal with them. I love as one author says, you cannot win people with whom I am not willing to have a meal with. Who are the people you wouldn't like having a meal with? Reach out to people. Reach out to them. Care for them. I would encourage you, use movie night. We're having this kid movie. You can, we'll show you maybe a clip of it next week so you can see what kind of movie this is. Bring your neighborhood kids. Bring their friends from school. Not just for the purpose of having a hot dog and a bag of chips. So they can meet Jesus. You're wondering, how can I do this? We'll just, we're providing opportunities for you. Movie night. 
And I would encourage you, you let me say this, a little side note here. I would love to have an outreach team in our church. We have different types of teams. We have a hospitality team. We have buildings and ground team. Wouldn't it be great if we had an outreach team? I thought of that last year at the fairgrounds. Remember that? We were able to give this amazing breakfast, a feast for all the carnies, all the carnival workers that people don't like. Every morning we just had this. Um, some of you made this amazing. I, I filled myself every morning with them as I sat with them, got to know their names. Then I was like, we don't. We should have a group of people that wants to dream. Like, how can we reach out to this? How can we reach out to the Somali population in different ways? We got the well ministry, but what are ways we can help them? What are ways we can help out for those who are unwed mothers? You know, there's so, homeless people. Let's. So here, let me just say this. If that makes you go, ooh, that'd be cool, contact me this week. I'm going to write your name down. Let's get together and just pray. God, help us reach people. Next, find companionship with the ones very different than you. This is not about assimilation. This is not about hanging out with them so then you adapt all their sinful habits. It's not Pastor Tony going to the mosque so he can then be like, oh, I'm going I'm to scrap Christianity and follow Islam. No, no, it's not that. It's about getting to the door to share God's grace with them. Where's God going to place you? I'll never forget. I was in graduate school, I was in seminary, and I was going through, there's this list that came up with the top movies ever made. So I like movies, so I was watching through them. And I remember watching this black and white movie on the waterfront. Anybody hear of that movie? In this scene, I think I have a picture here. In this scene, there's this mob controlling the people. I think it's New York City. And uh, the mob are controlling all these workers at the waterfront, and they're following the mob, and someone gets killed. So the first thing they say isn't call a doctor, they say call a priest. The priest gets down there. And he sees this dead guy that was crushed by someone killed him, the mob-related stuff, and everyone's gathered. He has a crowd. And he's looking over this dead man. He says, the Roman soldier who pierced the flesh of our Lord to see it was dead. And right at that moment, someone from the crowd... it's like a white, I don't know what, something white, it's black and white, so maybe it's a different color. He threw something rotten at the priest and it hits him on the shoulder. You see it right there. And the guy yells out, go back to your church, Father. And right away he goes, this is my church. Loved it. He says, boys, this is my church. And if you don't think Christ is down here on the waterfront, you've got another guest coming. Every morning when the horn blows and the whistle starts, when the hiring boss does it, Jesus stands along you in the shape of line. He sees why some of you get picked and why some of you get passed over. He sees the family man worrying about getting the rent and getting food for his house and his wife and his kids. He sees you selling your souls to the mob for a day's pay. That scene, I just went, that's where I want to be. If I'm ever a pastor at a church, which is right here, we've got our four walls, we've got many walls, Oh, I'll be a pastor here, but also I want to be out there, right? This is my church, boys. That was great. And Jesus is with you right now. You have the opportunity as a disciple 
to see the beauty of Jesus, His heart, and take His heart with you, in you, infuse it in you, and say, God, use me in any way. Find companionship with the ones that are very different than you. To share God's grace. In fact, when I was here, a couple years into being here, every once in a while people say, hey, you want to be part of this organization? Hey, you want to be on the board with this? And I was like, no, thank you. I'm busy already. In fact, I was asked, one guy was like, hey, would you consider being on the board of this Christian organization in town, the ministry you support? And I was like, I have a heart for that ministry. I could be on that board. It'd be great. But I realized we've already got three pastors on that board. Do they need another pastor? What if I was on a board that didn't have anyone like me? And then one year I was asked, would you be interested in being on this board? And I looked, I'm like, there's no one at all like me. Sure, I'll be a part of this organization. And for the sake of sharing God's grace. And lastly, here it is. Make a positive influence for Christ. God is the one who seeks people unlikely, like Levi, who's Matthew, because he loves him. I want to be an influence for Christ. Use your position. Use whatever you have been called to do and be to share God's grace with people. Use your position as an unlikely candidate to share God's grace. So I'm going to end with a little prayer. So the worship team can come up. I want to say a little prayer. I want to ask the Lord, the Master of all, the one who has saved you and I from the sinful ways and saved us from self-righteousness because that rears up once in a while in us. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be bold. I'm just going to ask God that He would use each of us this year to do His work in the kingdom. Which might get uncomfortable for some of us. Because you might be hanging out with people that you may not approve of or most likely to be with. Like it's very... Very unlikely I'd be at a bar because of my background. No way am I going to have a beer. No way, I just, I, I saw that destroy my family. But am I willing to be used by him? To be in a place that maybe some people may not approve of. Now, why is Pastor Cody with those people? It's for the sake of God's grace. Amen? So here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to be bold here. Stand with me if you want. You don't have to. If you're not standing, that doesn't mean you're less than anyone else. But if you want to stand and say, God, we are your church. We are your people. Use our church to let people know the beauty of Christ in any way. So stand up if you want to be a part of that. It can just be a few or all of you. And if you're still sitting, that's totally fine because you're thinking through this. So join me in prayer. God, We want to be like you. And this is a very hard area because we have categories. We have things. We, we, we want to be smart. I know you're not going to call me to a script club. It's very dangerous. But there are people who need Jesus. And Lord, if you 
ask me to go to a mosque to walk in, I will do it. You ask me to go to someone who's very politically different than I, they're so charged up and I'm very different, I pray you would help me in a relationship so they would see your grace. And God, we stand and ask right now that you use our church to love people so they can see God's grace. It's not just getting a big crowd. It's not just having a big party. This is about showing God's grace to people who are dying. Sinners. So God, use us as a church. We ask corporately and we ask individually. Use me in any way. I pray you use my position, use my friendship, use the way I'm wired to reach out so people would see God's grace. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Join us in the last few songs. Jesus.
honestly, this message was really easy for me to do, and part of my heart's like, I'm all about going out there sharing the love of Jesus, as you know. But i got to catch myself, because there's a part of my heart, though, that's still like the Pharisees. Oh, I don't want to do that. I've got it done already. I'm fine. God, use me in any way. If I have to pick up golf clubs, I can't stand golf. But maybe God's calling me to reach out to people that golf. I hope not. Because it's a lame sport to me. If you love golf, you can argue with me later. I just, no. I just, but I'll be willing to do anything for the kingdom. And I'm going to be praying that God would use you. I pray that God uses Pastor Tony as he is with the wrestling in camera. I pray for some of you, I know where you're at, that he would use you. Little note, someone dropped their phone, misplaced it. If this is your phone, it'll be in my pocket. I've got it. God is on a mission to bring glory to his name. And I pray that you would be a part of saying, God, use me in any way. To go out to your mission field, it says on that sign, and be used by the kingdom. Amen? God bless you. Thanks for worshiping with us. Have a great week.